and welcome to Racing Only Better ahead of the King George meeting at Ascot this weekend. I, Vanessa Ryle, am sitting in for Hugh Carhill, not only for this show, but for a few more over the coming weeks as well. Hugh will be back in due course, but he's having a little bit of time off. We all deserve that on occasion. I'm joined, luckily, thank goodness, you'll all be relieved to know, by the usual trio of Kevin Blake. How are you, Kevin, in an airport as usual these days? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, Vanessa. Dublin security, fast track, up your boy, you 10 minutes, not a butter. What's all oh, the Nobody there. What's all the there was loads of people there, but they're all in the normal security queue, like a bunch of yokes. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Who's laughing now? Johnny uh, Fast Track, that's who. Yeah, right. Dan, good to work with you, finally. We've known on each other a long time, and now we're on a podcast together. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I mean... It seems ages since you and I were chatting and bitching around back in the day at the races in the offices there. Bit, bitching around? That well, you me. know. Goodness, goodness, no. Not goodness. wrong with a bit of gossip. <laughs> and Tony, I know you love working with me, so you've got a big pro- smile on your face, right? Yeah, yeah, all good. All good. <laughs> good, good. Right, let's kick straight on. Uh, Ascot card, boys. Starts at 1.50 on Saturday, second day of the meeting, of course. Low-key start on Friday, but loads to get stuck into on the Saturday. Um, the Princess Margaret, Keeneland Stakes, the Group 3, it's over the six furlongs. And Lezu, Dan, should be coming in, in here unbeaten, shouldn't she? Yeah, weird thing this, you know, getting two-year-olds at this stage of the season, there's only one horse who's actually run at Ascot. You'd have expected three or four of these at least to have had a crack, one of the Royal Meets and whatever. The only one who has is Omni Queen, and to be honest, her farm's weak. So that's one potential negative with Lazoo, the fact she hasn't done it at this tricky track. And maybe the quickish turnaround's another, but she's head and shoulders above on farm. It's one of those for me where I'm happy enough to just watch her and win at watch her win at seven to four. I won't cry if that happens. But equally, I'm in no rush to oppose her. Her farm is just so much better than the others as it stands. She's already beaten Minitonka when she won that listed race at Newmarket in good style and who's to say she wouldn't have followed up uh, there last time without the the interference in that in that Duke of Cambridge Duchess of Cambridge uh Tony if, if, are you looking you've got to be looking to take her on as well surely at the price um not not especially um oh, oh. For that mean I thought the, the seven to four across the board I thought might be a little bit shorter actually so I'm definitely wouldn't be looking to lay out just it's a kind of race where, whereby she's got so much going for her, uh, not only on form-wise, but on the clock. But, you know, I, th- I think 74 is probably on the big side. Against that, she's got four unbeaten fillies against her. Got horses that you can make a case for at much bigger prices, the likes of Cuban Mistress at 21 plus. You know, Millie Tonka, I think you put her up last time, didn't you, Dan? Um, and it shouldn't be... Oh, you just said that was my nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put her up. <laughs> I won't say what sort of nickname you said it was for a career yeah. in something else. I gave, your, I, I gave your missus has picked up the mantle there and called you that. Um, now, you've got to remember that Minnie Tonka actually went off the seven to four favourite in the race at um, Lazoo one at Newmarket. And if you go back and look at the race, she wasn't ideally positioned. Uh, you know, that July course can be a little bit uh, tricky, especially when they've chucked a load of water on and she probably wasn't ideally positioned on the near side. So if you give her, you know, the benefit of the doubt there, she's probably maybe on the big side at eights and nine to one. But, you know, there's so many in there that's got untapped potential. I mean, I thought Glenn Laurel was really impressive at first. Um, but again, she's got a lot to find with Lazoo. Lazoo uh, at seven to four is a very fair price. And I think she's by far the most likely winner. Like Dan, 
I can let her win at that kind of price, against, especially against unexposed opposition. OK, well, what about you, Kev? Anything to throw into the mix against her then? Seems like we're all aboard the Lazoo train, really. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put anyone off her, Vanessa. Like, it's one of those situations, like like TC says, her form puts her well ahead of all of these in terms of what we've seen, but there's a fair chance we haven't seen the best of a fair few of these. And look, I'll give Millie Tonka another chance. Um, I put her up against Lazoo last time, and um, the race just didn't go at all like I was expecting like the basis I put her up on was that I thought she'd be a bit more streetwise than Lazoo and might jump out and make the running and Lazoo might be kind of a little bit out at sea and get going late and it actually turned out the exact opposite and for some reason Mini Tonka ended up out the back and um, as TC mentioned it's probably not ideally placed on the, on the race course so um, I'll have to give her another chance um, especially at the at the odds you're getting plenty of compensation for that run at Newmarket so um, Mini Tonka to belatedly build on what was a really really impressive debut albeit against a mucky enough opposition Okay Mini Tonka for you Lazoo hard to oppose though let's move on to the 225 which is a money back special on the sports book and the exchange if your horse fails to place in this the 225 at Ascot which is over the mile it's the Valiant Stakes it's the Group 3 contest uh, this for me is wide open Tony I didn't even know where to start with this love the fact we've got a bit of international interest with the German Raider but this I just it, yeah a bit of a mess of a race for me it is actually I mean not only from from just a betting point of view but from a tactical point of view as well you've got at least three forward goers in here you've got two or three others that are prominent racers so there could be a bit of a burn up here and I imagine most people might look at that and think you know let's side with Zambak and, and Jumbly two horses that come from off the pace but the problem there is um, they're both kind of like unexposed you know three-year-olds rated 105 and they haven't been missed in the market, not only from a tactical point of view, from a form point of view as well. I mean, you, you pay twos with Zan back and seven to two uh, Jumbly. Then, you know, there's nothing in those kind of, there's no juice in those prices. I thought November was probably a fair price. I think you'll be, you know, the sports were ducking her to a large degree. They're going seven to two. But, you know, I can see why. I think she's the kind of horse that will go off seven, uh, nine to two fives when only on exchange. And that might lead you towards a bet. You know, she goes all of her best forms going from the front, so that's an obvious worry. You know, if there is a burn up here, but she's got the best form in the race, she's got group one form. Um, wasn't beaten far in the coronation stakes last season. I thought that running the uh, Duke of Cambridge at Ascot on firm grounds last time, that fourth is a very fair effort. Um, providing you know, she doesn't really kind of like burn herself up early on in a pace battle. I think November, you know, around about, if you can get nine to two plus on the exchange, I think that's probably the way to go here, but it could be a really nasty, tactical, messy race, as you said. Right. The German Raider for Tony then. Dan? Deutschland, Deutschland, Uberales. Uberales <laughs> in development. It began to November. Hopefully yeah, it began to November. Well, um, that ex-German farm line wasn't too shabby last week, was it, with that Haggis thing streaking away? Um, at Newbury. Another haggis horse who gets an easy lead and gets smashed off the boards. They know what they're doing you, that well, don't they? Yeah, you they love are. them, Sorry, Tony. Chat. You love them. 100 to 30 haggis into apparently, five to four and absolutely gags up by a mile. It was unharried the lead, but apparently it was clocking like 12 and 11 and a half second sectionals. I don't think it was the dawdling. I'm just going back to that. I mean, this is this is a horse with proper proper group form again, isn't it? And I think the market will warm to the bottom horse, Zambak, because she's unexposed and that was a really good run in the Sandringham. But the different tracks, aren't they? It's Ascot, but the straight course here 
for a race like that versus a round course. She's drawn in one. She'll be weighted with. I just think she'll probably get into a bit of trouble. And November will hopefully be making the best of her way home by then. She's a thousand guineas winner in Germany last season. No penalty for it. That, that run towards the back end in the Daniel Wildenstein where she was behind real world um, and the Revenant, that's that's proper form, isn't it? And the chances are she's just needed the first two runs back. And the thing is, she ran in the Saffron Beach race at Ascot. Try to make all down the straight track. is a completely different kettle of fish to doing it on the on the round when they've got a short home straight and you can, you can save a bit on that bend. I'm hoping drawn inside uh, the other potential pace angle in, in Oscula, she'll get to the front and dominate. Yes. Come on, Kevin, make it three votes for November, the German Raider in here. Please. Um, no, I won't. I won't. I oh, do like you always want to go against the grain. I was about to do my German accent, by the way, but I once got an Ofcom complaint on the old at the races for doing my Irish accent. So I've had to stop. <laughs> I've had to stop doing accents because it's got me into a bit of trouble. So. What about my Dutch? Nobody's ever commented on my Dutch yet. Were you, were you having a, a moustache problem that day as well? Were you, Vanessa? Oh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Please. I, I got into terrible trouble, okay? So we've had to rein in on the accents on broadcasts. Go, Kevin. Who do you like her? Um, I, I do like that, Philly. I, I, I put her up at um, at Ascot last year, but but I, I just wonder, might she be better on softer ground? That'd be that'd be my main thing with her. Um, so look, typical I'll, I'll German cliche. Yeah, typical German cliche. I think her form backs up in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go with Sam Mack. Um, as TC mentions, like the, the shape of this race, the way it's like the pan, like she's been a work in progress. Like she got lost the Goodwood on her second start. And uh, I thought it was a big run in the Sandringham. Um, different setup here, but it might just suit her. Uh, why? And I would look, the price is what it is. And I wouldn't be shocked if she did drift a little bit between now and then. Um, I think she's the one to go and win, hopefully. Okay, well, let's move on to the three o'clock then. And this is, the, we're paying five places with this, the three o'clock at Ascot, paying five places, the Moe and Shandon International Stakes. It's the big handicap of the day over the seven furlongs. And Jumbly, uh, Jumbi, sorry, Jumbi, mustn't get them confused, especially Jumbly, on this Jumbly, podcast. Jumbly, Jumbly, the, the Jumbly, yeah. Jumbly. Yeah, Jumbly. The old pencil Jumbly. man to be coming out of retirement here, yeah. with the old Jumbly, <laughs> Jumbly factor. <laughs> disaster Jumbi is your favorite at the moment at the top of the market for Eve Johnson Holden and Holly Doyle and Dan um a valiant display last time when we saw him at Newmarket and he's clearly we know he likes it here he's expected to go pretty close again yeah behind bless him in that Bunbury Cup bless him's late surge got him there Jumbi didn't get the clearest of runs or sweeten him that day ended up in the middle which possibly wasn't ideal but I wonder if he's copped for the wrong draw here as well I think he's in six I've got the pace all middle to high here Ross Collin the horse watcher's horse he's in he's sort of middle to high uh, King Zane he's forced the pace Lion Tower tends to get on with it they're both high I thought you wanted to be high here potentially based on the pace and as John O, David Johnson commented in the week at the retirement of Lord Glitters he said something like, I think Dan thought his name was Lord Glitters each way because that's what I suggested every time he ran. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same with Chief of Chiefs because he's another each way vehicle of mine down the years. Nine runs at Ascot, one win, four frame finishes. He's won over course and distance. He'll be played late. Colin Keane's taking the ride for the first time. I like that. Nice. And he's middle to high as well. I thought he might get the perfect toe into things. 
Okay, like it. And each way shout. And with five places, Tony, you must be taking a swing with something at a bigger price as well, surely. Dan, Dan mentioned it there. I mean, the problem here is that all the horses I fancied were drawn low. Um, and a lot of the fancied horses are, you know, like to Jumbi, Tactical, uh, Bless Him. And I was, and the only pace, guaranteed pace or near guaranteed pace uh, was in 18 and 21. So, in that respect, I, I really do fear air to air, but I'm going to bite the bullet and go uh, go with a low, some two low drawn horses. Um, the reason being, I mean, I'm just wondering whether they, they'll switch tactics on Tamani from four. Now, it's been a hold up horse for his new trainer, but his two best runs, in fact, his two best career runs were with William Haggis, and he made the running on both occasions there. And I just wonder whether they'll, they'll swing the bat themselves and try to go forward on Tamani because. If they do, they'll get a clear lead on the far side. So uh, maybe the O'Meara camp will, will listen to this and maybe provide the pace there. I thought Blessing was had a lot going for him. Uh, if you go back and have a look at that Bunbury Cup win, he won it really smoothly. He's well in here. He loves Ascot. He'll love the ground. And Burn Sugar did the double, uh, the Newmarket Ascot double in 2018. And I can well see him doing it. The draw is obviously um, a negative, so I'm going to play and win only. And I'm going to uh, side with the Bunbury Cup form for my second horse as well in the race, um, uh, Ropey Guest. Although, you know, mm. you know, he's not a, again, he's probably, he more maybe with the five places, more of a each way angle into the race at 16 to one. But, you know, he's run some absolute crackers this season. Second at Royal Ascot, fifth in the Victoria Cup over course and distance. Uh, and that run last time could be marked up probably because he was drawn 17 that day and all the other horses around him the first five home were drawn six and less. So I think you can mark that up. Um, Callum Hutchinson rode in for the first time last time. So he, he did a good job there. He takes another five pounds off. And the handicap has done very little with this horse, even for, you know, for really, really good effort. So I'm going to play probably on the exchange, win only on bless him around about, hopefully about 14 to one plus and around about 20 to one plus on uh, ropey guests. I mean, they may run blinders and finish sixth and seventh, but I'll take my chances with the draw. I just hope they just don't come over. I hope they take their medicine and, and try to work it out between them because, you know, they've got good horses around on the likes of Tactical and, um, you know, and, and Jumbi on the far side. So hopefully they'll try and, you know, make their own pace between them. I mean, that Ascot draw has just been an absolute nightmare all year, hasn't it? Every <laughs> time knows? you think it's no one way one. or the other, it's no carnage, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's, you have it on the Newmarket July course quite a lot. It's an absolute nightmare trying to work out the best place to be. And that's before you factoring every, everything else. But yeah, I, I just think the Bunbury Cup form is the strongest coming into this. Okay, and, well, um, Ke- yeah, Kevin, that'll do for me. Are you in agreement? Are you looking at the Bunbury Cup form to come here to Ascot? Or are you looking elsewhere? I'm looking elsewhere. I'm, I'm going to go low again. Like I, I'd rather be in the middle where you might have more options, but I'm going to go with tactical just because I, I've kind of been on board now and I, I better stay there. Um, fancied him in the Buckingham Palace at the Royal Meeting. and sure he ran great. He was probably in the wrong part of the track. Um, didn't get the clearest run, finished off really well. It was one of those. He finished sixth and it was just like, oh, Jesus, one of those. Um, and the optimum class, for some reason, up to a group two over a mile for some reason last time. And he ran fine, but like, I'm not sure how well he stays a mile. Uh, I don't think he's a group two horse. Um, he managed to escape that escapade with his handicap mark intact. 
Um, and I think you have to give him another chance. He's a pound lower than he was in, in the Buckingham Palace. And I'm um, sure, look, the draw is what it is. It'll either be great or it'll either be terrible. I have no idea. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> and the jockeys will change their minds four times between now and then. And, and it's a bit of a crapshoot. If they all just said, all right, let's, let's all just go up the middle and see what happens. It'll be a lot easier for everyone. But um, there you go. We got more and more and more in the saddle. So um, tactical for me. Okay, let's move on to the big one of the day then, the King George at Ascot. I cannot wait for this. Six runners in it, and it's going to be an absolute belter. The younger horses taking on the older horses. You've got a filly in there. You've got some international interest as well. You make cases for every single one of them. And I am pinning my colours to the mast of Mishrath. I think based on what we saw him do at Sandown, the traffic that he met, I think he still maintain, retains all of his ability that he's shown in the past. He's a top-level performer. We know that he can carry the weight against these younger horses. And for me, the two younger horses, Emily Upjohn and Westover, both have to step up to where he's at. I think that this is his for the taking. And I don't want any of the fuss on the day to be about this David Egan being jocked off for James Doyle. Jockeys being jocked off just is going to happen in our sport. We've all just got to get over that. So just move on from that. James Doyle in the saddle. Mishriff for me. And Dan Barber, I don't want you to put me off him, please. Uh, Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber <laughs> Alles. Uber Alles in the Welt. I'm back again. Um, I don't know. I just think I think the most underrated horse in the betting is Torquato Tasso. Is your uh, wife to- German? No. Oh. She's, she's um, obviously... Not all there to be married to me, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, I do think I do think he's the most underrated horse in the betting, and the question is obvious that he's not done it in group company away from bad ground. But um, I, 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 of course, that needs factoring in. I'd rather it had rained heavily and it was a, a bog like it was in the art class season, but. I just don't think the market's given him enough respect. I think a strongly run race will bring his stamina into play. I think that's likely. Power Driver's gone from the front lately. Broom did it at Royal Ascot in winning. Um, I don't think Westover will want this to turn into a crawl. He's the one I fear most. Um, yeah, it's purely price for me in this. I, I think Mishra's the best horse, and I'm still spitting over the fact he got beaten in the Eclipse. But I'm just not a believer that he really stays a mile and a half on a stiffish track. And this is going to be a proper test of stamina, I think. Six runners, but at least three of them will want to make sure it's a it's a properly run race. So yeah, back to back to Germany for me. Germany for Dan. Tony, who are you landing with here? One of um, the three year olds in this? I very nearly put up Mishra at night or two on Monday, but they were at forecast a lot of thunderstorms and they haven't had them. They've only had a free mill on Wednesday night. So the ground's given the quick side. Obviously, that's in Mishrip's favour. But like Dan, you know, although this horse has got a, a Group One win over a mile four on his dance card in Dubai, uh, he got he, he did get outstayed by Adiar uh, last in this race last year. But I, I know staying's relative. But I think this is a very very good renewal, a better renewal. And I just think, I just think, you know, if if Mishrip, if it is a slowly run race, and just because we've got Broom and Pole Driver in here. Don't assume it's going to be a burner. If there is, you know, if it is a test of speed, I think Mishriff will, will win this. And I think the 72 on the exchange is still fair. But like I said, if it is, if it is a bit of a grind, uh, even though we've got six runners, I think that, I think he might just be found out later on. Oh. Like Dan and like the seemingly like the early the early punters on the race, Torquato uh, Tasso is 
is probably overpriced at 12 to 1. I spoke to Ryan Ryan Moore this morning on the race, got, went for all the runners, and he agreed. He, he said, you know, 12, 14 to 1. He was 14 to 1 across the board at the time. He's now into 12, so anywhere, top price. He just said, you know, the, the art winner is, is, is just simply overpriced. You go, go and have a look at that art run, albeit on heavy ground. He beat all the right horses that day. Um, you know, what he improved massively since his reappearance winning last time. In fact, you know, as to the ground, I mean, I don't know if he's talking bollocks, but the trainer said he's he's won on fast ground in Hamburg. I mean, from what I can gather, he is talking bollocks, but uh, purely <laughs> won on, on good, I think. I think it was good ground. Debut, it was good ground. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but you know, I think he said he, he said it was fast going. Yeah, but that that's fast in Germany, isn't it? Good ground is fast in Germany. <laughs> I've come. <laughs> he, he must have been. He must have been using. Uh, Dan's kind of like German dictionary there for good to fast, but must have, must uh, have been the week of Oktoberfest when he walked the track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drunk as a monkey. <laughs> yeah. Right. In summary, no bet. Wow. Okay. So we've waffled on for that amount of time. We've got to a no bet situation. Yeah, well, you know, that's the best thing in the punter's armory. What is it, Vanessa? No bet. Walk away. Money. <laughs> yeah, money. Come on, Kevin. It, please inject some sense into this. We've got two lads who have tipped up a horse that literally can only uh, win when he has the mud flying into his face. Swimming bands on. And yeah, exactly. Arm bands on. I look yeah, forward we, to interviewing Matt Ascot and telling him he's full of shit. And we're, talk, yeah, and we're talking about running at Ascot where it's just getting drier and drier as I speak, quite literally down here. Uh, please. Give us some sense. Never underestimate the stickles watering can on the quiet. <laughs> Ryle, I'm with you. I'm with the riffer, Mitch Riff. Um, it's just, markets just not respecting them, are they? Like no. you know, these these fancy three-year-olds. You know, Mitch Riff's one of the best horses on the planet. And like, look, his best form is over 10, but like I thought he ran perfectly well in the King George last year. And yeah. um, and he won over a mile and a half out in Dubai. Uh, I just think this will be a properly run contest, hopefully with Broom in there. Um, and they'll go at least an even pace because, you know, he should have won the Eclipse last time. Yeah, you know, he would have beaten the three-year-olds there, wouldn't he? Caught, caught in the spade of spade. Now, I think he w- would have won it by a length, you know, authoritatively. Um, and his connections were seemingly using that as a prep. Um, for the international, I wasn't expecting to rock up here, but he has. Um Look, I'm not too fussed about the change of jockey, to be honest. Um, you know, small field, blah, blah. I think most of them will all do the same job. And um, yeah, Mishra, for me, I think he's still the wrong price. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a few of these three-year-olds get a bit windy in the market closer to the off. And yeah, me and you, Ryle, all aboard the Riff Express. Come on, love it. Right, Mishriff for the two people talking sense on this podcast. Uh, let's move away from Ascot and up to York. Um, we've got a decent card running alongside Ascot on Saturday. It starts off with the 205. This is over the five furlongs. This is just mental. Who thought this up? Five furlongs. <laughs> Guy bet, jump jockeys, Nunthorpe, essentially. Ridden by, as you can guess by the title, jump jockeys over the five furlongs. And due to the fact that, like, I, I don't know, like, who thought this was a good idea? Well, you know what's better to be? You know what's better to be? Going back years, I wasn't long in racing, the, at Linkfield and Haydock, I think, they ran a flat jockey's hurt ran flat jockey's hurdles races. They were yeah. even better. I remember Kevin Darley looking for a stride but entering the straight at Haydock for about two and a half miles. He's still, he's still looking for <laughs> yeah. he was riding a horse called Kalatagan for Malcolm Jefferson, and you could almost hear him farting from here. But they're not they're not dead in the water, are they, Dan? I think we still have flat jockey hurdles. We still have one, definitely. Definitely, I'm sure of it. Hector Crouch win, Mumbry. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Lingfield. Sure is that Lingfield? Lingfield. 
No, I don't know. Either Link, way, Linkfield, I think he is Linkfield. Yeah, there's one, there's at least one a year, but this just seems mental to me, specifically <laughs> over the five furlongs at York. So as a result, I mean, talking about a no-bet race, I think it's seven to one the field. I'd be leaving this all day long, Tony. Yeah, I mean, if there's a charity element to this, I'll, I'll take this all back. And I'm just, I don't think there is a charity <laughs> element. I think I'm there's just, just a mental about element. What's where was I can and can't use, but um, <laughs> no, it's like it's a typical marketing nonsense, this isn't it? I'm, and I look back and I was amazed that this is the fifth year of it. I must, <laughs> I must have been asleep, otherwise I'd have got stuck into it five years ago. <laughs> um, the jockey's numb for what the? F- <laughs> I mean, it's a naught race. <laughs> He's a jock. Immeasurable sod. Anyway, um, five places, I suppose. Oh, I wouldn't dream of having a bet in the race. Uh, you probably want a point and shoot, you know, merchant it's, you know, to minimise the jockey factor. Is Harry uh, Skelton riding in it? Me? <laughs> Harry Skelton riding in it? Yeah, he's shocker. He's a 101 to be in front of the, the furlong mark. I know that much. Um, now, I've, the one I, I thought, I mean, I won't be having a bet. But if you if you want a token selection, I thought the greatest showman, five places, 25 times, very interesting. He was fifth in this race off a five-pound high mark under t- today's jockey last year. Um, you know, he's been running well recently uh, in the context of this, uh, especially because he hasn't been forcing the pace. He forced the pace in this last year when, like I said, when, when a good fifth off a much higher mark. All these, Some of his best form has been, you know, off, off far higher marks than these current marks of 74. I thought the greatest showman would was is half interesting, but okay, it's, it's token it's back. Just, it's just a marketing gimmicky type race that ITV have swallowed. Should be on the should be on the ITV terrestrial card, should it? Okay, well on that basis, then Dan, do you have any interest in this at all? If not, we'll just move on. Yeah, sometimes betting's fun. We've got to take the shrewd hat off occasionally, haven't we? Um, and <laughs> I think back in the winner of this race would would give you a lot of enjoyment because it's so quirky. Um, I'm similar to TC, though. I think his thinking is you want a jockey who's aggressive generally and he's on a point-and-shoot job. I found two. Valda Travers with skew on for Appleby. Now, he is fast this horse. He's borderline headstrong, but he's done really well since joining Mick Appleby. And the other was Leodis Dreams, who is a front-runner and twister rides, and they're in 9 and 16, so I don't think that's that's harmful. It's just going to be... I don't know. I think it, I'd rather this race than a five furlong race, ordinary five furlong race. It's just for the same old flat jockeys. At least it's something slightly different. Yeah. In your, in okay. your favour, I mean, Scooter All has won two of the four runnings of this race, and Midgley's won two of four as well. So, well done. I didn't realise that. Cheers. No, so, it's, but yeah, it's, it, it means nothing, obviously. It's like a favourite stat. <laughs> I love a favourite stat. <laughs> uh, so for Dan, it's a point and shoot job, which is a bit like Hugh on a night out. I feel so, Kevin. <laughs> oh my god! Not appropriate. I feel like it's appropriate. That's where he's been uh, arrested. Kevin, Kevin, come on, let's move on from this ridiculous race. One, one, one line on it, please. Yeah, yeah, Mar- Marnie James will do for me. Um, like I think there's a case to be made there. Um, like if you look at his record at York, like he's he's only won there once out of ten, but he, he generally runs very well there, and he's just been been falling down the weights. 
And like the last time he ran at York, he was actually third to Dakota Gold in the distant race, you know, when he was rated over 100. So um, down to a mark of 80 and dropping into an auto 80 for the first time. Um, yeah, makes sense to me. Um, Tom Cannon rides. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and yeah, look, you can make a case for the first run off a break last time. Would have sharpened them up. And uh, yeah, Marnie James. There you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> Try we cast that Yeah, we can move on from that. Yeah, gimmicky event but don't forget it is paying five places and the next race at York the 240 is playing paying four places this is back to normal proceedings now uh, this is the dash handicap it's the class two very competitive over the six furlongs as you would expect Tony where are you looking here um, I must admit I was looking for a little bit bigger than 10 to 1 but the 10 to 1 is with well, the sportsbook is the joint biggest in the marketplace and they're playing the four places so it's probably fair. I haven't made my mind up whether I'm backing him here, but I think last year's winner, Venturus, is very, very interesting. He's got off a £2 lower mark uh, than winning last year by a short head at 33 to 1. Um, run really well uh, on his last two starts under Tom Queeley. And, you know, he was giving quite quiet rides here, hold up rides there, and met a bit of trouble on both occasions. I just think Oshie Nall's got on board here, and I think he might try and ride it a bit handier from his midfield draw. Um, yeah, I so say he's, he's handicapped to go really well um, on his turf form and he's, he's eight pound higher on, on the all weather as well. So if they've targeted this race again and go back and have a look at some of his, uh, you know, Doncaster run, especially at that Ascot run last time, which he's come down two pound four. I think they were full of promise. Um, and like I said, a repeat, a repeat bid is, is very much on the cards. I was looking for a little bit bigger than tens and he may well be that on the exchange win only. In that case, I'll, I'll, I'll direct myself there. But Venturous was, was the one that stood out for me. Okay, well, I was looking for a bit bigger than seven to one about Mondamesh, who I keep thinking one of these bigger races is going to fall his way one day, but now I'm worried he's going. He's just creeping up the handicap again. Uh, Dan, where, where are you looking in this race? Well, the one I thought was most overpriced, um, if the price is still, and they, they may well be, is also representative of last year's form. The horse who Venturous chinned was Music Society, and he's found himself even lower in the weights. I think he's he was second off, I think, 86, 87. He's now off 81, or it's 86 and 80. And I think his lives have been in okay form this season. Took a couple of runs to get going. Ran well in a warm race at Haydock. Won a, a week race, admittedly, went 11 to 10 at Catterick. But then I think he's just had excuses a lot of the time since. And he's that sort of horse. I kept backing him last season. Things never dropped right for him. But back here, Easter visit York, um, pace to chase token suggestion but i thought 16s was pretty juicy for him okay especially uh as they're playing paying four places as mm. well and yeah back Kev in Israel. yeah uh kevin what about you in this i was with tc ventures um, i love a bit of cd oh. form on the sprint track at york and she looked at tc made the case um one would hope that they maybe had a little eye on this to come back and have a crack at it Oshie Noor has really started to get rolling now which isn't a shock he was always a very good rider um, and the, these big field handicaps I think will suit him because that's one of the things that you would have spotted with Oshie Noor from very early he's just got a lot of um, a lot of uh, what would you call it like built in confidence he's just naturally a confident rider that likes to wait and uh, yeah races like this horses like this they should show him off to very best effect Okay, two votes for Venturous then. Who's got the kids in the background? Is that you, Dan? Um, that's that me. That's me at the airport. Yeah. 
I, 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 I came into an area that was um, that was closed off, and it, it seems it has opened up while I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize kids were allowed in the first class. Lab. Why are they all shouting "Daddy" at you, Kev? <laughs> Just a normal night out for me, then. <laughs> oh, God. Right, let's move on to the last race we're looking at, guys, uh, at York, the 3.15 over the one mile, two and a half furlongs. This is the Skybet York stakes. It's the Group 2 and Claymore, um, who provided, obviously, just another terrific day for Jane Chapel. I'm at Ascot recently, up at the top of the betting. And Dubai Honour in behind. Dubai Honour, who really just... I don't know, is, is he going to be able to reclaim the form he was showing last year? That's the question for me with him. Dubai Future in there. And your favourite, Tony, Sir Busker as well. You're going to tip him up? Oh, I, I, I had to do a double take when the betting came out for this earlier on uh, today. We were recording this on Thursday afternoon and the first price up about Dubai on was 9-4. to four. Um, I thought he'd be favourite, clear favourite. Um, I actually tipped him up for the Eclipse uh, on the Monday uh, before the race at 25 to 1 and he didn't he didn't go there they decided to run in France over a mile four the next day uh, now he didn't run in either of those races um, and I'm assuming they'd been waiting for you know for for more ease in the ground but they've bitten the bullet and they're coming here um, perhaps they've just had a they just said they've got to get the horse out uh, in midsummer, or they probably just had a look at the form book because he goes perfect well on good to firm ground the two times he's raced on it He's posted career best. He's obviously improved since then. So if the horse is fitting well and, you know, he those were group running horses uh, he was due to race against at Sandown and in France, then he should be beating these. Um, he's got group one form, um, you know, second to seal away at Ascot. Go and have a look at uh, he's running Hong Kong uh, in the Hong Kong Cup where, you know, he's up against proper group one animals and he should have won that all day long, got into all sorts of trouble. Now, we haven't seen him since a, a non-staying effort over a mile four in, in Maiden in March. So perhaps he is a little bit rusty here, but I think he can afford to be. Um, he's currently two, that nine of four has been taken. He's two to one with a sportsbook at the time of recording. He, in fact, he's 3.25 on the exchange. Um, I think he's more of a six to four chance. And he's one of the very rare bets around about two to one that I'll be putting up this season. Um, I think he's got an outstanding chance if he's fit and... Team Haggis could easily send him off odds on, couldn't they? Claymore's a ridiculously right. bad price at 11 to 10. Strong nod for Dubai Honor. I was sort of picking fault in him a bit, Dan. Um, are, are you with us, Will, with Tony, with Dubai Honor? I am with him in a sense. Why, why is this 11 to 10? It'd be a non-stayer who possibly has his own ideas about the game after getting a softish lead at Ascot and re beating Reach for the Moon. 11 to 10 against two horses that on time form figures have got seven and ten pounds in hand of them. Dubai Future, I was going to go with Dubai Future at the slightly more, the slightly juicier price, just on the basis that he's up and running and he reminds me a bit of real world. I'm not, he's not in the same class as that horse, but spelling Dubai went okay, had a, had a run in the Brigadier Gerard and then comes out and obliterates the field in an Ascot handicap. I'll be with him, small stakes, but I actually think it's just a race where. The Fav looks a bad price at 11 to 10. I'd be yeah, slightly, he won't start that price, I don't think. If, if I could get him laid at six to four or 11 to eight on the exchange, that's the first thing I'll do. I'll, I'll probably lay Claymore around about 11 to eight if I can, or, or lower, obviously, and use that stake to back uh, Dubai Honor uh, and come out flat on all the rest. Okay, well, Kevin, then are you taking on the favorite like the boys are as, as negative about Claymore as they are? 
Um, yeah, I think at the price you kind of have to, don't you? And uh, I'll go Dubai Future, the other Dubai. Um, All about Dubai. Pencil yeah, man, he's out again. He, he wouldn't yeah. have. Um, he wouldn't have quite as as flashy a profile as Dubai Honor, who, who like TC says, like looks a proper Group One horse. In fairness to him, but um, Dubai Future, we haven't seen loads of him on the turf around Britain in recent years, but he was very good at Ascot, I thought. Um, beating a, you know, a smart horse in Cadillac with loads to spare. So I thought he was the one at the prices he'd do for me. No question about the conditions. Okay. Well, that's a rattle through York with the ridiculous race to start proceedings, but then some better racing latterly from them and Ascot as well. Um, so now it's just naps, isn't it? I think that's the way this show goes. I'll go first. Mishrif for me. All aboard the Mishrif train. Take on the three-year-olds in the big race of the weekend. Mishrif, thank you very much. Kevin, over to you. I'll take my chance on tactical and um, hope that the, the, the worries about the draw prove unfounded. I will go win only. No point in messing. Like it. Like it. Strong view. Uh, Tony, you're not, please. I'm a bit worried. He might go off at even money if the Haggis boys step in and girls. Uh, but no, Dubai on a two to one plus is, is I think it's a very good bet. Non-runner. <laughs> Stop. Stop. And Dan, you've got to throw in a German horse, surely. I have. I, w- I won't inflict. I, knew you were. I won't inflict that terrible singular anybody anymore. But um, it's the wrong month as well. But I'm going for November to shine in the middle of summer in the 225 at Ascot, please. Okay, well, thank you very much for those naps, boys. Good luck to everyone having a bet this weekend. And don't forget, in the 225 at Ascot, it's cash back as a free bet if your horse fails to place and you've got those extra places as well to get involved with. That is it from me and the boys. It's been very enjoyable. And do stay tuned for more Racing Any Better podcasts coming your way next week ahead of Goodwood. We'll be recording the first day's preview on Sunday and it'll be coming your way on Monday ahead of the action kicking off on Tuesday five days of glorious Goodwood to look forward to. But for now, enjoy your weekend. Thank you very much for listening.